previously on Automation Town. They ran out of operations? You telling me this entire disaster happened because this make account ran out of monthly operations? Not just that, look over here. There's a spike. Where did the spike come from? Click this. Enhance. See, right there. What is that? At 9.15, a new scenario was created. That consumed- Holy cow. That's where all their operations went. Chad, who created that scenario? JM. That has to be Jake McCringleberry? It has to be that Manuelsburg mayor. With 29 of 31 precincts reporting, we are officially able to call it Chad Davis will become the next mayor of Automation Town. Talks are in progress with the teachers union about renegotiating a plan for 2024. I will brief you on that further tomorrow. Public Works plans to go live with a fallback water treatment facility this week. Parks and Recreation has requested wait, wait, wait. that week. You said fallback water treatment? <laughs> Doors open. This looks like, uh, what is this? Some sort of control room. Check out these pipes. Wow. Some kind of utility? Water, maybe? Tradition in Automation Town, when one mayor replaces the other, they leave a note for their successor. A note from Jake? I must admit, it was a pleasant surprise to have the opportunity to sit where you sit now. To walk the halls you'll walk each day. To understand how Automation Town works from the inside out. Goodbye for now, Mayor Davis. I see bright things in our future. that suit on you. I hate these things. This is a waste of time. Jakey, it's the right thing to do. Besides, you learn the most about yourself when you face your failures head on. So you lost the election. You're still the mayor of Manuelsburg. Just think what your father would say. I'm not sure what dad would say if he was here. Your father was a great man, and he loved you very much. But, Jakey, you're the man you are today because you lost your father. You've turned your suffering into hope, into stability for so many people. I won't let anyone take from me what they took from my father. Need more applesauce? I'll be fine. When will you be home? I'll be home late. I need to take care of a few things after the ceremony. Love you, sweetie. Love you. See you tonight. Hello, 
Oh, two sides to every coin, Davis. That's really sweet. Today, Jake and Chad, they meet for the first time. Jake's never met any of the gang in real life, has he? No, that changes today. And webhooks. Webhooks? Webhooks, the Swiss army knife of integrations. All of that on this week's absolutely heartwarming edition of Automation Town. So sick of this rain. isn't here yet. That doesn't matter. You think I care how they got their hands on it? This is happening in 36 hours time. I don't care what you need to do to get it. This has to go through tomorrow. We have only one chance at this. Understood? Speaking of incompetence... I haven't found it. We probably shouldn't be playing doctor, should we? No, definitely not. Probably worth seeing a doctor about that one, Gerald. One more? Yeah, probably time for one more. Hey, Pat. Next question, please. From Oliver. Hey, boys. First of all, congrats to you, Chad. You did it. Hey, <laughs> thanks. Tadar emoji. Tadar emoji. Uh, whoops. Partying underscore face emoji. Confetti underscore ball emoji. You know, Siri does this, too. Women with bunny ears partying emoji. Oh, look out. Tadar emoji. You'll make a great mayor of Automation Town. A question for you about webhooks. It's a word I hear a lot. It sounds scary, but I've heard they are powerful. I just haven't gotten my head around them. Can you give me an explain it like I'm five run through of webhooks? I mean, it feels like that's the glue that keeps a lot of these automations we're running together. But for me personally, it took a long time to even understand like what they were. And it was a pretty big lift to actually use it. Jason, like pretend I'm five. What is a webhook and why should I care? I wanted to make you do this. Okay, explain like I'm five webhook. So when you go to a website, google.com, whatever, you type that in, it's calling a server and the server gives you the stuff back to load on your screen. And in some ways a webhook is similar, but you're like sending your own payload to an address. Is that a bad analogy? It's kind of going the other way, isn't it? There's another analogy you can say, it's like a toy box. Okay, every time you put a new toy in your toy box, you want to tell your friend about it. So normally you'd like yell, or the next time they come over, you tell them about it. Oh, wow. But what if, what if <laughs> the webhook is like a special phone that automatically talks to your friend every time you put a new toy in your toy box? That's kind of like what a webhook is. I don't know that we've helped anybody here. Uh... <laughs> The lesson here is it's hard to explain to a five-year-old, and I overexpect what my five-year-old will understand. Uh, so in short, it's a way you use webhooks to like automatically send a thing to another thing whenever something happens. So for example, Stripe, the payment processor, 
you can create webhooks to be called whenever certain events happen. So if you complete a checkout session, then you give it a web address and you say, every time this happens, I want you to send the details of this transaction to this address that I gave you. So you define the webhook address. And for normies like Chad and I, that usually means over on the Zapier side or the make side, you have an automation where the trigger step is this webhook address that it generates for you. So it gives you a URL as a webhook address. And then that webhook address, I plug into Stripe. And then anytime that event happens, it's going to trigger that other automation. Going to send them some data. Yeah, it's going to send data to that automation. And then you can do kind of all the subsequent steps. And that's kind of why it's like the Swiss Army knife. Webhooks are sort of a standardized way of sending data across the internet. And so when most of your apps will support that in some form or another, it's just a nice standardized way to get something from A to B. I think the way that I started to conceptualize and feel how like important it was, was when like certain apps just wouldn't connect with each other and you needed a way to do that. Like, oh, how do they actually connect? And you realize it's webhooks. Webhooks is like the language of the internet that connects, that connects things together that don't connect together normally. So once you know you wrap your head around that, holy cow, then you get into some more technical things about the different types of webhooks and what do you include with them and like all that kind of fun stuff. But from a purely intro perspective, if you aren't aware or haven't played with webhooks very much, but you're into wanting to move and automate data around, it's a really good investment. It's admittedly a confusing thing. I think what got me over the hump was a YouTube video. And here we are trying to explain technical things over a podcast again, but to kind of visualize what that looks like from data going to A to B, what role do I play in that? Like, am I creating the web address? Like it was a bit abstract for me to get my head around, but honestly, like it's, you're probably a five minute YouTube video away from that thing making total sense. And it's probably one of the biggest impact things that I learned that helped me think through just what it means to connect different systems. Okay, then we have to set a warning. If you're going to play with it and you're going to watch a YouTube video on it, stick with get type webhooks and not post ones. And we'll get into that later. <laughs> but let's just stick with get for now. It's a little safer. Uh, guys, you got to go. Let's wrap it up. Well, let's wrap it up from there, Chad. Uh, as always, thanks, gang, for tuning in and keep those questions coming. Nice work, gang. I can't get over how realistic Pat sounds. Right? This may be Chad's piece de resistance. Yeah, the other day when I got to the RV, I could hear Chad talking with Pat. That didn't happen. Yes, it did. Aw, wow. cute. That's, not, that's sweet. That's not weird at all. Chad, do you talk with Pat outside the show? I mean, I have to test Pat, so I mean... Single guy living in an RV by himself with his AI friend. Wasn't there a movie like this? Yeah, no, I'm with Amelia here. You're making it creepy. Yeah, it is a little creepy. I've got to go. Let's go. We've got to go. We're riding together, right? You want to take the RV down there? Yeah, we may as well carpool. How you feeling? Feeling nervous? Are they going to do the whole swearing in, hand on the Bible sort of thing? Yeah, I mean, I, I get the impression it's that sort of ceremony. Usually the past mayor comes, but yesterday at least it didn't sound like Jake would be making an appearance, so who knows? Ooh, just imagine if he did. I'd actually love to meet him in person. All right, I've got to go get changed. Hey, Paul. Want to drive? Sure. Lucky boy. Um, I have a question about webhooks. 
All right. I'm going to go get changed. I'll be right back. Yeah, webhooks. Amelia and I were working on her fitness coaching app. Kick camp. Kick camp. Yeah, kick camp. Yeah. We're going for summer camp vibes. Oh, oh. We're having some trouble wiring up some different parts of the app, notably the payment calendar and booking parts. Pretty important. But I'm thinking maybe webhooks could help us, but I still don't really have my head wrapped around like how they work. What's a real practical example? Like, can I set up a webhook in Zapier? What would that look like? Yeah, for sure. That's where I got started. Uh, let me actually whip out a laptop and we can just kind of run through it real quick. Uh, eyes on the road, Paul. Oh, yeah. So take a look at this, just real nuts and bolts. I'm gonna create his app. The trigger step, what Zapier calls it, is webhooks by Zapier. So your trigger step is always what starts the automation. So the name of that trigger inside of Zapier is just webhooks by Zapier. And then you're gonna pick an event, catch hook. Sometimes they'll use catch raw hook. But what it gives you is a webhook URL to send that data to. So this is like a custom one-off URL that Zapier just generated for you to use with this automation. So that on that other service where the data is going to come from, this is the URL that you give to that service so that anytime that event triggers, it'll send that payload, that data, to this URL that Zapier just generated for us. And then in the subsequent steps in this app, we can do anything that we want with that data. Pretty straightforward. Meg's got more or less the same thing. Your incoming webhooks generally gonna be your trigger step because you want that stuff to happen anytime there's new data to process. And they've got a similar trigger node that just will generate these one of one URLs that you use. And every time it gets new data, it'll kick off the automation. Ta-da! How do I look? Very dashing. A cummerbund, huh? Is it too much? It looks great. Did I miss anything, Chad? On the webhooks? Yeah. So the other side of webhooks, instead of receiving them, is actually calling them. So that was receiving a webhook, using a webhook as a trigger for an automation. Yes, but you can also call a webhook yourself. Call a webhook yourself. So what I just walked through was receiving a webhook, to be super clear. That's the receiving side. But let's talk about the opposite of that, the calling side. Yeah, I mean, like this is the powerful one. This is where you can run one automation, it can then trigger another automation, and you don't have to have one big, massive, massive thing happening. I mean, we've done this in the past when we needed to bridge even different automation systems. Do you remember that one from one of the earlier episodes? Yeah, weren't we bridging IFTTT, like a smart home thing to Zapier or Make or something? The lights. The lights. The office lights. That's what it was. That's what it was. So people will run into this a lot where the easy lift is to use the system that integrates with your tool. So like for in that situation, it was like a Miros or I forget what it was called lighting system. And IFTTT had a really great integration with all kinds of settings, but Make didn't. And we were integrating it with something that Make did really well with another system. Like uh, I think it was maybe might've been a calendar or a Zoom thing. And what we wanted to do was start it in Make and then finish it off in IFTTT. And the way we did that was by using webhooks at the very end of the Integromat or Make scenario, and then making sure that in IFTTT, it received that information. Now, when you receive information like that, you can use a different type of webhook uh, called a post webhook. And then by sending data through that post request, it can update another thing. Like in this case, sending information over to 
the webhook in IFTTT, and then it can do everything that you tell it to in that system. So I think the context where most people probably start is just by receiving webhooks. That's probably the first thing you ever do is you create a maker's app, your automation that receives a webhook, and your trigger step is that receiving webhook. But then the bigger unlock to realize there is, you know, some apps have functionality to where on any certain type of event, they'll call that webhook. And so like Stripe was an example of that, Airtable will do that. But then for you to then be able to start calling webhooks yourself mm -hmm. is a big unlock uh, because just like you said, you can use it to bridge different systems where maybe system A works really well with Zoom and system B works really well with my smart home lights. How do I connect those two things? And that's where the value of webhooks kind of being like a standard language that all systems understand that's where that gets really valuable because you can take stuff between systems in a more streamlined way. This is helpful. Yeah, you guys always know how to fix everything. It's amazing. Um, this is definitely connecting some dots for me. One thing we have with the app is people can pay for the courses through the gym and the gym pays that money to Amelia or they can just pay through the app. And I sort of end up with these automations that are kind of like... Like duplicate. duplicates of each other. Yeah. Because I make payments from several sources. We built out the automation for handling each, but they're both pretty much the same. Yeah, so great use case for webhooks here. One of the things that we talk about with this kind of development for normies, you still have to think like a developer. And the way that developers design programs and bigger kind of complex things is in as modular of a way as possible for a number of reasons. One of them being just this is maybe you've got data flowing in from multiple sources, but it largely needs to be handled the same. If you put those two automation processes alongside each other and they're both 10 steps, if eight of them are the same, best practice is to carve out those common eight steps into its own process and then pipe both of those down that thing. And we've all encountered this in various situations in our lives, like having three copies of the same file the problem is you make an update to one copy and then you've got to make it to the other two, right? So best practices is how can we pipe this like through a common automation so you don't have these redundancies? Yeah, I mean, it became such a problem that Zapier created their own sort of method for dealing with these zaps and they called it like, sub-zaps. Uh, have you ever used them? I don't know that I have actually in the wild. Have you? I have, but it was mostly to test it when they announced it. I mean, it's it's no secret. We do a lot of the stuff um, over in Make when this comes to happen. And theoretically, you just have another instance of a operation or a scenario running in Make, and then you know you use webhooks to go between them. But I like what Zapier did with subzaps because they can let you do some pretty complex things without needing to enter them in like you used to in every single zap that you are working on. So if you get into some complicated ones where you need things like security tokens or you need to run the same sort of formatting time and time again, you can create these sub-zaps that you can share amongst your team. Kind of like building blocks, right? Yeah, and like no one has to reinvent the wheel when you're doing some sort of similar things with your own data set. I mean, you think about a company, like if you're dealing with either marketing or leads or things like this, you're going to have people's names and emails and phone numbers across a whole bunch of systems. What if, regardless of how you start, there's this process that runs right before you do anything with the data to check to see if they're already a customer, if they're already in the system, if they already have a status or not. That's like a perfect example of a sub-zap. And I really like that Zapier did this because there was a, a lot of complaints around just needing to redo the same thing over and over again, and there wasn't a way to copy it. 
and now you can and a lot of people are happier because of it yeah i especially like the example around those really common things around your business if you've got five different workflows that need to you know check something in your crm your database or something like that it's a great use case kind of those common building blocks that you're going to need on a bunch of different contexts that's a good place to start i think why i haven't used them is they're really a simplification of what we're talking about that is webhooks and being able to call your own webhooks because you can get to the same place by having an automation that's triggered by webhook and at the end of another automation or maybe midstream on an automation you call that other webhook that you created and then the webhook gives a response to say okay got it we're done or no there is a conflict there or something like that and so it is something that you can build yourself but this is really what zapier is good at normifying the more complex kind of heavy lift dev stuff that can be intimidating for regular people and that's really kind of what sub zaps are i guess is a simplification of this kind of modular concept we're talking about combine that with some code steps and some formatting steps and yeah you've just got this scenario where you're no longer the like the only person in the company that can do a thing you can share that and other people like just completely unlocks their ability to hit certain parts of your systems that you just may never have given access to before because it's so sensitive. Now you're good. Well, another thing I tell people too is if there's part of your application that's out of reach from the native Zapier connectors, maybe there's an API you need to get into to do a specific thing, but there isn't a great native connector in Zapier or make to do that. It's really easy to go out and find somebody to just create that Zapier node that will make that API call for you. Because Zapier has, I mean, you can run code in Zapier, you can make custom HTTP requests, all these things. You can get to all the API endpoints with Zapier steps. But if I use an app that maybe Zapier doesn't connect with, but it has an API, and there's, you know, four or five things I need to do in there, man, go out and pay for a couple hundred bucks of a developer's time. They're gonna set up all those API calls for you in a Zapier scenario. And that's a great use case for actually using it as a sub-Zap. Brilliant. Because you can have somebody build it once for you and then reuse that functionality in all of your other workflows. This makes so much more sense now. Wait, I didn't tell you guys. I ran into Gil at the grocery store the other day. Gil. I was surprised he recognized me, honestly. But he was talking about a position in your cabinet. Yeah, I need to call Gil. I'm going to bring him on halftime, actually, with some stuff. Excuse me? Wow. Gil's the first one to get offered a cabinet (laughs) position. Gil. Hey, he asked me, and he's a good fit. Mayor Davis! Chad's fine. Hi, Gil. How can I help you? About joining my cabinet. Director of Finance, yes. I'd love to bring you on board. Oh, my... It'd just be a halftime gig, though. Cream and all... 20 hours a week, director of finance. Oh, Chad! You'd be a great fit, and I could frankly use the help. Chad, you don't know how happy this makes me. So you're in? Oh, I am in. Hey, can we switch to video conference? Uh, sure. Oh, wow, is is that a... It's a slide deck. Okay. So check this out. Gil, I gotta run in a minute. So live flow. Live flow. So live flow. We've talked about how I use LiveFlow for budgeting. Because it'll sync live QuickBooks data out to Google Sheets by class and all that? Right. But we're managing big budgets now. Other people's money. Uh, yeah. 
And we need to show where that money's going. So here's what we set up with LifeFlow on a client of mine. The board has private access to a site where they can see updating budget statuses and an overview of spending by budget. This is starting to sound like a profit and loss by class. That's right. So because we can sync standard QuickBooks reports like profit and loss by class out to Google Sheets, I can wire up my Google Sheets to a website Seeking out budgeting data, spending data. So bridge the data from Google Sheets to a site that stakeholders, or in this case, residents of Automation Town, can access. Yeah, or keep it simple. Just build a customized spreadsheet, embed that spreadsheet on the page. And LiveFlow will keep syncing live reporting data from the QuickBooks reports over to the spreadsheets. Yeah, I love the transparency this enables. Chad, I can't wait to roll up my sleeves on some of this stuff. Well, welcome aboard, Gil. I'm looking forward to getting started as well. It's a great day to build with LiveFlow. Okay, Gil. Automation pod! Woo! Talk to you later, Gil. I'll see you at the ceremony. Oh, you're gonna be there? On my way as we speak. I'm almost there. Gil. What's that? Gil! I gotta run. Some jackweed in an RV is about to run me off the road. Watch where you're driving. Do you know who I am? I'm the director of finance for Automation Town! Ugh, sorry. Woo! Bless him. Bless his heart. Do you have a, like, am I headed to a special mayoral parking spot, or are we going to need to park this boat in this tiny parking lot? Yeah, pull it around back. They painted a double-wide spot, believe it or not. Nice, double-wide. See y'all in a bit. Bye. Break a leg. You're going to do great. Good luck. I know Hey, Kat. Those are your friends, then. Those are my friends. You're looking dashing. Uh, comfort butter? Is it too much? You know, we'll handle wardrobe for you, right? Oh. We've got a lot to cover. I know you've been busy, but we need to carve out some time to work I know, I know, I know. Give me a day or two, we can go through it all. Let's start walking. Jake's already in the staging area. Jake McCringleberry? He turned up after all. So, here's how this usually goes. The ceremony opens up with some feel-goodery. You've got a children's choir singing a couple of songs. Wait, I'm sorry. Jake's here now? Uh, they'll sing a couple of songs, then the custom is for the outgoing mayor to say a few words and introduce you for your first mayoral speech. Is that a good idea? Admittedly, we haven't had circumstances like this before, which makes this one a little uncomfortable. But whatever quarrels you've had in the past need to be set aside. You work for the people of Automation Town. Through here. Mm. Yeah. Uh. The choir will wrap up in a few minutes. We'll have you both come out at the same time, and Jake will introduce you, Chad. Got it. The man himself. Jake McCringleberry. Chad Davis. Firm grip you've got there. My father was a miner. Uh, what does that have to... Strong hands. Runs in the family. All that manual work? And proud of it. You sabotaged my radio show. You brainwashed my town. You tried to bury me under a building. I don't know anything about that. I'm sure you don't. You know, Chad... You and I have more in common than you think. I would like to think so. I was like you once. Hungry for change. Full of ideas to make the world a better place. Really? 
But you know what they don't tell you about change? What's that? The cost. The number of people who are lost and forgotten for the sake of change. Shiny object society doesn't care about the person who just got laid off. The person whose identity is stripped from them when a company memo renders them pointless. All in the name of, what, capitalism? Turning a quick buck? A few more widgets an hour? No, what you don't see in the vanity metrics are the number of families torn apart by change that can never be put back together again. Hmm. What happens if we never change, though? Look around you, Davis. Is life so bad? Are we struggling so much that this just can't be enough? No, progress is a hamster wheel. The harder you run, the quicker you realize you're stuck in the same cage as the rest of us. Jake, let me ask you. The water pipeline running from Manualsburg to Automation Tower. You're up, boys. Smile, Davis. Look confident. People don't care what the plan is so long as someone looks like they've got one. Wow, great turnout today. Let me start by acknowledging the elephant in the room. The building you knocked over? The time you took over my radio show? Manualsburg and Automation Town, we have some ideological differences. You think? It's in the name. But having the opportunity to spend three months with the fine people of this town has been a reminder that we're more the same than different. Our two towns were founded together as sister towns over 100 years ago. Not as bitter rivals, rather, as complementary partners. With ideological differences, yes. But that doesn't mean we can't work together. Mayor Davis and I were just discussing the new Joint Water Initiative. Water Initiative? You don't think that's... The control room in the subway tunnels. Those were huge pipes. It did look like some kind of utility. Wait, so the pipeline under Automation Town is being controlled by Manualsburg? What about the Grumley break-in? Didn't we decide that was to get into the control room? I don't like the sound of that. Look at Chad. It looks like he just saw a ghost. But I hope is a sign of more collaboration to come in the future. Now, the man behind me needs no introduction. Automation Town, from one mayor to another, I'm proud to introduce to you your new mayor, Chad Davis. Hey, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Mayor McGringleberry. Chad was not expecting what Jake just said. What does this mean? Jake created the uh, water disaster. Why would he give us the solution? Uh, Amelia. Paul? You want to go down to the tunnels with me? <laughs> oh, Paul. I thought you'd never ask. Four score and three months ago, I was at a turning point in my life. But a humble servant to the people of Automation Town, I was just a guy with a radio show and a 1995 32-foot Winnebago Dreamweaver. And there came a day when I looked in the mirror, and I looked at myself in the mirror, and I said, self. Automation Town is written and produced by Chad Davis and Jason Statz. Edited by Paul Amara. Keep up with the characters of Automation Town on Twitter at Automation Town.